Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Fantastic. As always, my friend, we are going to dive into the magical art of walking today. You guys are new to the podcast. You can be like, wait a minute, this is a fasting podcast? Yes, Um, but we're gonna be talking about the underlying blood sugar related effects of walking and then also how we actually eat our meals. So I'm excited today, Tommy. Um, We've talked about walking in the past, but never from this viewpoint or vantage point. Mm -hmm. And a couple of big takeaways I think are gonna be impactful for everybody today. So if you're new to the podcast, I wanna welcome in you the new listeners. Tommy and I have been doing this for a couple of years now. If you want to hear more about our story, you head back, listen to episode zero and episode one in 30 minutes or less. Uh, By the way, we appreciate your grace because we are brand new, figuring it out. But (laughs) our stories are there. I'm going to give you some insight into why we do this every week, why we have the Facebook community group where we can come together and talk about the fasting for life lifestyle and how fasting can reduce the weight improve the quality of life and give you the long-term results that you're looking for. Then as always, a shout out to the OG listeners that have been with us on this journey. We are so appreciative of you. Uh, If you guys would, as we know, go ahead and give us the, our favorite type of review, drop a five star on your favorite podcast listening app. And that tells us, (laughs) tells the Facebook gods, or excuse me, the podcast gods that we are doing something of value. Uh, And we're just going to continue the conversation, Tommy. So, Walking. Now, funny story here. Mm -hmm. I'll make this quick. But my wife knows we've been married uh, now for a while. I was going to say the years, but we have two anniversaries. (laughs) We got married twice and I didn't know which one to use. So I got caught up in Uh, the air. Okay. Um, I met my wife back in 2011. So we've Mm -hmm. we've known each other for a while now, right? Uh, Going on 11 years. So she knows that one of my least favorite things to do is to go for walks. Mm. like (laughs) the idea of a family walk i'm like no like we're on vacation you want to go for a walk no like i just do not it is not something that i enjoy so we do it from time to time when it's not hotter than the sun here in texas um and it's not my favorite thing to do but i will say that when i do do it i now know why i feel the way i do especially when it comes to cravings, hunger, energy levels, et cetera. And that's why I'm excited about today's conversation, because we're going to look at walking from the perspective of its effect on blood sugar. Yeah. And like I had always heard from parents, grandparents, um, older folks, older uh, family and, and friends like that. I, and I, I would just observe them kind of like getting up from from usually it was from dinner and then just kind of taking a taking a wander around the neighborhood, going to take a stroll. It's kind of like an aimless thing. It almost kind of seemed like a waste of time to me, you know, because I was like, well, if if I want to get some exercise, I don't need to do it right after I 
eat. In fact, uh, I'm definitely not going to the gym right after I eat. Like I, that would feel terrible. And what's the point of, of really walking right after that? It just kind of, I don't know. It, it just seemed like a, like a weird thing that I didn't really need to do. I didn't see the point of it, but it's interesting when we start to look at what's actually happening physiologically, what's actually going on and some of the magic that happens, you know, especially right after we eat and the potential for just putting in a little bit of deliberate walking and then leaning into some of that old school wisdom that you may have heard, like, no, always, you know, go for a walk after dinner. Turns out it, it can be all the difference for, you know, on the, on the scale, as well as uh, what you alluded to, like how we actually feel too. Yeah. It's interesting. As you just said that, I just flashed back to my Meme and Pepe's house back in the day and we'd always go over for Sunday dinner and then everyone would go and walk to the end of their street and back. Mm. And I remember like loathing it as a child, right? I'm like seven years old. I'm like, I don't want to walk. I just want to sit and, you know, Watch whatever. Grandpa's yeah. machine shop and play with the stuff I shouldn't be playing with, right? Or I want to do right. something fun, like go play wiffle ball in the field or yeah. whatnot. But yeah, they would they would walk. And it's it's so interesting that, you know, when the world chaotically enough shut down a couple of years ago and mm. everybody was home in the initial few weeks here locally, I remember like driving through the neighborhood and being like, is there a community like food truck event today? Or is there a, <laughs> is there a carnival like in our, yeah. in our community? Like, you know, our little party. HOA area, like mm -hmm. a block party. Cause there were tons of people walking and I'm like, yeah, wow, this is cool to see. Like we're getting outside. Like I've been home all day. I need to go walk. Right. Right. And ever since, you know, um, here, you know, things have returned to normalcy. It's like, I don't see the same. Right. Yeah. No, they're know. back inside. Yeah. No, they're back inside, <laughs> yeah. but there's power in the walking and looking at it from like, why are we talking about this? How does this apply to fasting? Well, mm -hmm. or the fasting lifestyle, it's always, we want to talk about the main players, which is the insulin resistance, not necessarily the blood sugar, the blood sugar is a downstream effect but, or the glucose in the bloodstream, but the, the insulin effect, the insulin resistance, why you can't lose the weight, why it gets harder year after year, why mm. you have cravings, you know, why the blood, the blood work slowly starts to, to, to tick off a little bit, you know, year after mm -hmm. year, decade after decade, like how do you end up, you know, in a blood sugar, uh, you know, diabetes or metabolic dysfunction state? Yeah. Well, what can we do tangibly, which is something that we, you know, pride ourselves on is what are the, with this podcast and the content we put out is like, okay, what is the thing you can do today to know that you're having an effect on the insulin resistance, right? And mm -hmm. the blood sugar response. So you can start to control the blood sugars, lose the weight and keep the weight off. Yeah. And what about the fact that as the years go by the, if, if I regain the weight, it seems to come back even faster than it did last time, right? Like add that to the list, right? And it's harder to get off. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it, it seems to not just come back to the previous baseline, but maybe it ticks up just a little bit from there. And if I if I was used to to seeing, you know, 180 on the scale, now it, it ticked back up to 182. And it was like, okay, well now it's a, a little bit more work that I need to get off. And, you know, it, so it, it starts to make sense when we when we take a look at what's happening physiologically and the, the data here shows that, you know, if, if we just go out for a 30 minute walk after a meal, if we just put that as our action step, there's a substantial difference in what's actually happening 
blood sugar wise. And I, I, I feel like I, I wish I had a time machine and I could convince my younger self that this was an important thing that I could do to actually dampen the effects of if I was making an, a suboptimal food choice or as I was trying to lose the weight that I had been accumulating since, since I was young, this is actually having a substantial dampening effect um, where I could have slowed the process or even started to like turn, turn the tide much earlier in the process. So the thing about this study that we found really interesting was, you know, the improving the post-meal glycemic response is really important for reducing the cardiometabolic disorders. And it's not just in like in this case, the healthy individuals, which we'll talk about in a minute mm -hmm. when it comes to the amount of insulin or the amount of elevated blood sugar under a time curve. We'll explain that. But yeah. that this can also be really important in patients with prediabetes and diabetes. Like if the whole goal is to minimize the blood sugar spikes, right? To right. keep their blood sugar in a healthy range. And we know that having blood sugar outside of a healthy range can lead to the excess weight, which then leads to all of the comorbidities and you know heart and medications and cholesterol and all the other stuff, right? The metabolic mm -hmm. disorder stuff. So it's like, okay, well, how can we control it? What can we be doing to control that? Um, you know, the study showed that a 35 point increase was possible simply by doing what our grandparents told us to do. Mm. Simply by getting up and moving 30 minutes after that meal. And then we had this, this drop, this 35 point drop in that spike in, in blood sugar. And the, the crazy part about that was this was in healthy individuals. Right. So as we get older, and as we get less healthy, as we put excess weight on, the, the difference only gets more and more exaggerated in those blood sugar spikes because these weren't, these weren't folks seeing a, a 200 point blood sugar spike or a 250 or a 300, like a, a lot of folks that, that, that we see and that we talk to. So the, the fact that we can have this substantial impact on what's happening and then what you just mentioned, that, that time under the curve becomes important too, because it's not just about that one-time spike, it's about how long does that blood sugar stay at that elevated level? Because then that starts to determine what, what our whole body is, is, is soaking in, in our blood while we're, while we're going through that elevated blood sugar period. So if we can shorten that period and shrink the, the, the height of the spike, now we have some some serious, some powerful ammo against the problem. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night. Uh, since he was born, we have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days 
that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days, in some cases up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. That 35-point swing can take you from pre-diabetes to diabetes or from normal to pre-diabetes and vice versa. Mm. So yeah. when you're doing, you know, we did a whole episode on Keto Mojo and people are like, well, when should I test? Well, the, the, the way they test in the industry standard is doing, you know, the oral glucose test. Obviously, you can't do that at home. That's why the Keto Mojo comes into play. But yeah. what they did in the study was they looked at it at that two-hour mark. So what you were just talking about, that time under the curve, like just imagine, you know, drawing a bell curve you know, on yeah. a piece of paper mm -hmm. and you ingest the food, right? And they looked at different, um, you know, increasing the carbohydrate content of a mixed meal versus consuming a carbohydrate drink alone. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, it was definitely less effective in improving the glycemic response, you know, after the meal had more carbohydrates in it. And we'll talk about sure. how you can kind of get stuck there. The things you were just alluding to yeah. about the older we get, the more creakier joints get, the more pain we get, the more inflammation we have. Yeah. Um, the longer that insulin is in the bloodstream causes the CRP infl inflammatory markers to go up. Mm. It decreases the effectiveness yeah. of our hunger hormones and them acting on our brain chemistry. So you really can get stuck here. But when we're looking at, you know, that, that that two hour window, and again, back to that bell curve. So if you normally have it spike to a certain amount and mm -hmm. then decrease within two hours, right? In a healthy individual, we saw that it could be disrupted by 35 points, yeah. right? So in an unhealthy pre-diabetes or diabetic situation, that, that bell curve then turns into a spike and a very, like a bunny trail. Picture a mm -hmm. bunny trail on a mountain, yeah. right? If you guys yeah. have ever skied, you're gonna have that 15, 30, maybe 35% incline coming down on the other side of that bell curve where all of that time under that, that line is gonna be elevated numbers. It's not gonna be that big spike, but you're gonna be shutting down the ability for your body to actually 
burn off that energy, which again then turns into, you know, uh, abnormal blood chemistry, more yeah. stored fat, more brain fog, more fatigue, more inflammation. And the worse you eat, the less you want to walk and and the less effective it is. Yeah. Wow. Talk about a perfect storm right there. And like and and the like per, talking from from personal experience, the worst I had eaten, you know, the 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 worst of a meal I had consumed. Thanksgiving. The, the less you're right. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Or it could even just be like like a Friday night pizza night or something like that. And you think I, I felt like getting up and going for a walk after that? No. Maybe this but is I, why I hated walking all these years because I was on these macro plans and yeah. you know counting my calories and making sure I had a balanced plate and you know all this different stuff. And like I just didn't feel good all the time. Never mind if I added yeah. in an indulgence or a date night or a pizza night or or an IPA or something. Right. Yeah. So the, the tough part is is like the more carbohydrate intake in the meal, the less effective the walking was, right? So that was yeah. one thing. But that should be encouraging that making a few small changes, and we'll talk about the order of the food here in a minute, mm. can have a drastic, a, a, to make it easier, right? How do, we, how do we tangibly accelerate this process, right? So you make a little bit better decision, you decrease the carb content, right? A little bit, yeah. add in some more protein, and you're gonna eventually, combined with fasting, start feeling better to the point where, you know what? Going to do a 15 to 30 minute walk after meal, because this was all based on 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, yeah, it's probably not gonna be fun. If I had to do, like, thinking about it right now, I'm like, oh, I don't really wanna do that. I don't love walking. Right, right. But now I'm like, wait a minute, 35 point difference extrapolated over the course of a year? Yeah. That's a Think lot of time it. under the curve that you're now taking out of the equation. Yeah, think about think about that time under the curve. I mean, think about on a day to day basis, and then weeks and months. I mean, it 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 adds up. It, it adds up really quickly because that that's that's where the magic happens. It's not just in that one time spike. It's that time under the curve because that's where that's where the results get multiplied. Either the the pizza that I had, or, or you know, way too many carbs in in one sitting, and then sedentary. Then I I just sat there, you know, and like watched TV or or did something just completely sedentary versus a, a little better food choice choice and then did the walking and then that time under the curve i mean that's a substantial difference you could you could be looking at a 60 to 80 percent reduction in like in the overall insulin effect that that happened and then now you're talking about being able to actually be in maintenance or fat loss mode versus just storing fat all the time because the the insulin is so high and it's staying there that I'm, I'm forcing my body to store more fat. And you're gonna be surprised by this next thing you can do to accelerate it, right? Well, you can fast consistently. Sure. Right. Yeah. You can do intermittent to extended fasting consistently, and that is going to increase the insulin sensitivity or the effectiveness of the insulin. So when you have this big mm. spike, if it took you four hours when you first had this meal six months ago, now it only takes you two, well, you've just reduced your diabetes. Huge. Yeah. Like, You've reversed Shoot. it. It's gone, yeah. right? So how do we have it stack? How do we stack these things? How do we pour gasoline on the fire? Well, you stay consistent with your fasting windows. You make a little bit more of intentional decision to decrease the carb and increase the protein during your eating window. Eat intentionally, right? And then the third thing, which is really simple, is the order that you eat your plate. Yeah. 
And some of you are listening to this going, is this, is this real? Like, are, are they kidding? No, really, listen. <laughs> yeah. So needle movers, veggies, then your protein and fat. So think of it, you're going to have a four course meal now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like think of this, you're, you're at a nice restaurant. I've never done this. I've only seen them on TV where you go and you get like this fancy plate with like a bite of food. That's course one. Right. And yeah. then course two, three, four, four courses, right? Veggies. Number one, eat those right. first, then your protein and your fats. Eat that second, then your carbohydrates and or your sugars, like your dessert type stuff. Mm, okay. And here's a real life how I thought about this and was like, whoa, that could be true. How many times after a Mexican restaurant, you brought this up, Tommy, mm-hmm. or after starting with the chips and salsa all the way through the fajitas, yep. with the margaritas to the yep. end, <laughs> are the dessert menus at Brazilian steakhouses and hibachi restaurants and Mexican restaurants really robust? Yeah. No, it's typically like you got the fried ice cream at Hibachi. I don't even know if I've never been able to even look at a dessert menu at a Brazilian steakhouse. It's like, and you don't get, yeah, flan, right. And then one or two things. And then a Mexican, like, I don't know, I don't know, ice cream for the kids. I don't even know because at that point, I don't even want to get there. Like, I don't have the, I don't have the room for it. Right. So it's like, Yeah. yeah, they don't even offer it to you. So making sure that you start with the veggies and the protein and the fat, by the time you get to that stuff, you're gonna be less, you're gonna have less less room or less desire for it. Now, if you eat really yeah. quickly, then yeah, you're still gonna have that ability. Yeah, and here's the here's the, the the thing too, like look at those common offenders in some of the foods too, because like this study showed that there was a there was a substantial difference in the effectiveness of the walking when you had like a meal that was 70 grams of carbs versus 140 grams of carbs. So like having a a hamburger versus having a hamburger with ketchup and other sauces on it and a substantial helping of fries versus like a a small helping of it. So, you know, just the order and then the the actual dosage of the carbohydrates too. You don't have to change everything all at once. You don't have to have like the perfect meal in the perfect order and then a really long, you know, exercise or or walking session afterwards. You You can make a few tweaks here and and have a substantial difference on the bottom line. And I think that's the really cool part. And then, like you said, when you stack on some some intentional fasting to that too, I mean, you you can you can still keep a lot of the things that you're used to and that you really enjoy and that you don't want to just see go away or go by the wayside and start having a a, a, a sizable impact on the scale like immediately. And I, I think that's that's what the really cool part is. And, and again, that's what I wish I could just go back and tell a younger version of myself, like, hey, no, like you don't have to change everything. You could you could make a difference right now. Yeah. And it's it's incredible that, you know, if you start looking at walking with, you know, you know, the non exercise activity thermogenesis and how mm-hmm. it really does increase, you know, the ability of your body to efficiently process the energy that's consumed. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And I forgot to mention, you know, we've got the 35 point decrease with the walking. We've got yeah. the balancing of the insulin resistance versus insulin sensitivity with the fasting. Mm-hmm. But you can get a 75 percent reduction in that blood sugar again by just eating your meals in a certain order. We're yeah. not talking about like difficult things here, going to the gym every day after work. Right. You right. know, for the next 12 weeks <laughs> and completely omitting your favorite foods and remitting and restricting and mm-hmm. eat less, move more in your way into suffering 
We're talking about simple things that you can do. And I'm not going to let my wife know that we recorded this episode about walking. So she is not allowed (laughs) to whatever episode number this is. Because you'd be like, oh, see, I told you. Yeah. Like, okay. But I will put this out there during the day when I do have lunches as my OMAD meals. Mm-hmm. I will make sure that I get out and I take those dogs for a walk. Nice. Um, because, you know, we're on this journey with you. We're leveling up our experience. We're leveling up our knowledge. That is why we have the Facebook community group where you can come and continue the conversation, uh, share your tips, get your questions answered. Because what we found on this yeah. journey of making fasting a lifestyle as it is being more socially accepted uh, you, there's still a big gap in the support and the guidance that's needed, Tommy. So, yeah. um, I don't I think you already do the walking thing, even though you wanted to go back and tell your younger self, right. Yeah, I'd like to go back and thank my grandparents because, uh, they were right. That generational wisdom right. that, that has been replaced with a screen. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to commit to it. Not going to say it's going to be every day. I'm not going to yet tell my wife, yeah. uh, cause she would love to go on walks. Like it's, she loves it. So we do it yeah. periodically. Uh, but with three kids under five, I don't feel like it's a walk. I feel like it's more like chasing chickens around, trying to right. catch them. Yeah. Um, wrangling cats. Wrangling cats, right. Yeah. So as we wrap up today's episode, head to the show notes, click the link for the free Facebook community group. Come on down, continue the conversation with like-minded people that are on the same journey as you and I are, Tommy, mm-hmm. as all of you listeners. And just appreciate the conversation today. As always, sir, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Bye. So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life. Fasting for Life.